Well, dear church family, uh, this evening we continue with our Bible study in uh, the Romans, uh, Apostle Paul's epistle to the Romans. This is now our fourth study. The Word of God uh, last time informed us how that it was written in the conscience and the heart of every man, woman, and child, uh, really, uh, part of the, the natural makeup and constitution of a man, that God will bring all ungodliness and unrighteousness into judgment. And whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, that is written upon every man's heart. There's a witness, an inner witness, in the hearts and conscience of every man, woman, and child. And so despite what man may say, he knows deep down something of God's eternal power and God's righteous and holy character. Every man does. And so we don't need excessive apologetics ministries. The depth of man's wickedness is seen in the fact that although he knows, he knows this to be true, he continues to suppress and hold down the truth in unrighteousness, oppose the truth, to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And he continues to do evil in the sight of God and actually takes pleasure in it. And I can testify to that before I was a Christian. That was me. And such is the depth of man's rebellion from his maker that he even encourage, encourages other people to join in in his sin. And again, this was me. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone because this was me before I was converted. And by way of application, I, 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 the Lord has laid it upon my heart, just on our previous study, just to say this, that there is a growing sentiment amongst those uh, who uh, consider themselves to be Bible-believing Christians, really to, 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 to get into the, into the, the habit of encouraging licentiousness or worldliness and, and sin, and, uh, ex- and not, not so encouraging, but excusing it. And I just want, I just want to say, I think the new, the new evangelicals in that respect, we've got to be very, very careful. We, you know, we don't want to have a dry formalism. We don't, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. But neither do we either want to embrace this this new evangelicalism as well that's crept into the church where, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, I'll put my hands up, where we're quoting, for instance, the great heroes of the faith, the Spurgeons, the Whitfields, and we're saying, and we're saying, well, this person did that, or that person, the Spurgeon, smoked a cigar, or that did that. And I think, I think, I think you can imagine if that person were here now, you're dragging that person back and saying, and they would have hated for their name to be used to, to excuse licentiousness or worldly living or sin. And I, and I put my hands up. I've been guilty of that before. And so I think there is a lesson for us to learn. There's far too much, even in a renewed heart, really, in the old man's state to excuse sin there. And so we must, we must be on guard against that. But with that said, we know that the judgment of God is righteous. And so today's passage in verses 1 through 16 tells us what this judgment of God will be like. Remember, the Apostle Paul is proving that sin is a universal problem. It's not just, it's not just a Gentile problem. It's a problem with all people of all different races and nationalities, including 
the Jews. And we know this from Romans 3. So if we fast forward to Romans 3, uh, 9 through 10, he says, we have, we have proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So we go to the next chapter. He's saying we've proved this. We've proved that all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And so it's plain to see in these opening verses that Paul has in mind in these verses, in, in chapter 2, he has in mind the self-righteous Jew or the self-righteous person who is resting in the law for salvation, in their deeds, and their works, uh, who thought himself to be better than others. So that we could see quite clearly that Paul has this in mind here. He says in verse 1 and 2, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. It's almost as if to say, you're a man. You're, there's, not, there's not much difference between you, uh, self-righteous person or self-righteous Jew, and the Gentiles. You're still a sinful man. That Therefore thou art an excusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. So he's talking about hypocrisy here. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So Paul's aim here are religious people who thought that they had no need of being justified by faith in Christ, but by their deeds, but by their works, by their, uh, their external, uh, external religion, as it were. And Paul, in essence, is saying, don't you realize don't you realize who God is? Don't, don't you realize that God's judgment is a righteous judgment according to the truth? Not, not, just the, not just practical Christianity, but Christianity of the heart. It's not according to the likes and dislikes of men. It's not according to the prejudices of men, of someone's nation or someone's family or someone's upbringing or connections. No, no, no. The, shall not the judge or the earth do that which is right. And so he's, he's necessarily saying, don't you realize that God, who God is? God's judgment is righteous. It will be in strict accord in, accordance to the facts of the case. Like the Lord Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 3, 9, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. God is no respecter of persons. He cannot be bribed. He cannot be appeased with externals, and in no way can you, can you redeem your, your brother with money or any other such things. And like the Pharisee and the publican, the superior-minded Jew or person can speak out against sin. They can separate themselves uh, uh, over sin, but they are under the same condemnation. They are sinners. They are guilty of the same things. Uh, and they know this in, the, in, their, in their hearts. And like I said, therefore, oh man, uh, you're a man. You're in the same situation, as it were. And once again, by way of application, just as the self-righteous Jews sought to be justified by their national identity and their connection with Abraham, uh, as it were, and, and the externals that went with that, 
so too there is many a professing Christian who hope to be saved because they belong to such and such a church or they belong to such and such a family or they belong to such and such a, a do-gooder religion even. And they rest. They rest in their duties. They rest in their obedience. They rest in their church going. They rest in their, even in a confessional faith. And they take comfort from these things. And, and, and we... You know, we don't, as, 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 uh, and I trust that none of us do that, none of us do that here, but we do, do not take comfort in those things. We can, we can be encouraged uh, that the Lord has led us in such a way, but, but we take comfort by putting the helmet of salvation on every day. I belong to the Lord. I'm trusting in his righteousness and blood alone. And I know that because I feel the power of the Holy Spirit within me. And so, but you see, Paul is addressing such who are resting in that. And he says, no. He says, no, says the word of God. There's no exemption. God's justice is, and he's really speaking about God's justice. God's justice is unbending. All sin must be punished, whether Jew or Gentile, and especially those who are apt, like the self-righteous Jew, to censor and condemn other people for certain external sins when they too are guilty of similar sins and the more weightier matters of the, of the law. And so it's not that we shouldn't have sound judgment. God wants us to have sound judgment. It's just our judgment should not be hypocritical. That's the point that he is making. We must hold to sound judgment, but it must not be hypocritical. That's the point. Hence verse 3 and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same? You do the same things, that thou shall escape the judgment of God. God's judgment is according to the truth, not assumptions, of what's in man's heart. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but, but the Lord God looks upon the hearts. Remember that with Jesse's sons. They looked upon the outward appearance, the stature, as it were, but, but the Lord showed, showed uh, the prophets, uh, it, it's, it's, it's your youngest son, it's, it's David, he's the man after God's own, own heart. The Apostle Paul, who used to be a self-righteous, a self-righteous Pharisee, aimed straight, notice here, he aimed straight at, at the conscience of the self-righteous Jew, he says, thinkest, think, thinkest thou this, that judgest them which do such things. Do you really think? Are you really thinking? Are you really taking this in your mind and your hearts? Uh, that, you, that such hypocrisy will escape God's judgment. That, 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 that your thinking, you, you, not just externals, but your thinking and your conscience and your hearts. God hates all forms of of virtue signaling and hypocrisy, wherever that comes from and, uh, and from whoever that comes from. He hates it. He requires truth in the inward parts. Uh, and so that, that must be the case. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, their hypocrisy, their virtue signaling in Acts 5, they didn't need to, to give 
to give over what they did. They didn't need to do that. Paul said that whilst it was yours, it belonged to you. They didn't need to do, to do that at all. It was their property. But they got caught up in the movement, uh, as it were. They weren't true believers. I don't, I don't think they were in any way. I think the scripture is quite plain about that. They got caught up in, in the moment. And they, out of a pretense, they gave stuff, but they kept it back. They were lying against the Holy Spirit, really. And uh, it was great hypocrisy because they were teaching others that same hypocrisy they weren't being truthful they wanted all the people to think they to be empowered oh look at us look at how empowered we are as 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 it were they, they wanted them to get the attention them to get their glory it was rank hypocrisy um, as true born again believers we know how deceptive our own hearts can be even in a renewed condition and a renewed state, a state, uh, we must seek to behold the beam, as, and this is true of, of born-again believers, we must not be presumptuous. We, we, Lord, keep us from a presumptuous, psychologizing spirit. We, keep us from that. We, we must be those who seek the, the mote and beam in our own eyes before we... we uh, to pull out the moat and beam of their other eyes. We must humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may raise us up. Well, remember James 2.13, for he shall have judgment without mercy that have showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Hence the apostle's words in verse 4, to those who will be harsh on the faults of others and far less Upon themselves. He says in verse 4 Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? In other words, your view of God is all wrong. You've got a completely different view, a harsh view of God. You've got a low estimation of, of the Lord God's goodness. And patience and forbearance and long-suffering to needy poor sinners. To lead them to, re to repentance. You seem to despise God's gracious character like Jonah did of old. Remem remember that. He did not want to go to Nineveh because he had a zeal for Israel. You see, you seem to have that kind of spirit within you. Even worse. Whilst at the same time you're big, big, been, you've been given far more light and means of grace throughout the ages which you've abused. That's really what he's saying here. And Matthew 23, 37 comes to mind. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee. God in his mercy sent prophet after prophet after prophet, warning after warning, out of love and mercy to Israel. Many hardened their hearts and would not Change their, change their, frame their life around the means of grace. They just did not listen to the prophet. They did not listen to the, to the they were too proud. And, and it was in God's mercy that they were doing that. And God was sending it and they killed and stoned the prophets. And he said, and he, and he goes on to say, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not 
So God's saying, look at the means I've given to Israel. Look at the light and the grace, the moral law, the prophets. I've given all these things and they've abused it, really. That's what he, he's saying here. And by way of application, make sure, make sure you are your own worst critic. And, and, and again, there's nothing, nothing bad about saying that. As a, as a believer, we must be our own worst critics. We must be, we must, I'm not saying that we should quiver and we, we've got a victorious, you know, we shouldn't have a defeatist spirit, but make sure that you're your own, your own uh, worst critic, that you're watching over your heart because out of it are the issues of life. It's not that the Lord does not want us to hold sound judgment. Like I said, he wants us to. We must hold sound judgment. We are commanded to hold sound judgment. It's that he does not want us to do so hypocritically. That's the point here. We should not do so in a hypocritical way, as many other Jews did. Hence verses 5 and 6, which says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Many of the Jews throughout the ages abused God's goodness to them. They slighted the means of grace. God, I'm not saying all of them, but many, many did. And over time, their hearts grew more hardened and more impenitent. And there was no true heartfelt repentance and shame over their sins. Like whited sepulchres, many put their trust in external performances of religion with all its hypocrisies when they knew deep down that God requires truth in the inward parts. And, on the, and I must say, on the other hand, though, just as a little, uh, a, a little side diversion, whilst this, this is true concerning self-righteousness, uh, we must be aware that there has been a growing hedonistic philosophy within evangelical churches nowadays, headed up by, and, and talking in terms of Bible-believing, by new evangelicals. This kind of uh, philosophy that God's judge that we cannot hold to sound judgment, that people can never be challenged over their sins. And, and it's kind of this Christian counseling movement where everything is positive and negative and people need to be empowered. And that is so ungodly. Nowhere in the scripture talks about being positive and negative. It's about right and wrong, good and evil. And there's this, well, we need to be empowered and we, we don't need to hold, we, we shouldn't hold to, to, to sound judgment. You never need to challenge uh, over sin. Sin never needs to be searched out. We don't need to do what Joseph did or, or what we see in the scriptures. We just need to be empowered, as, as, as it were. We need to be empowered. And, and this, dear friends, we need to be on God as well against this. Well, how far from the truth this is, where the Apostle Paul plainly says to his fellow countrymen, fellow Israelites, you're treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath. To treasure up is to lay up 
little by little, every day. And that's what people without Christ who are are religious do. Every day, if, if you're not in Christ and depending upon him and love him, Every day you're, you're building up that, you're storing up that treasure. Every day, God's wrath storing up to the day of judgment, as it were. You're treasuring it up, you're abusing God's grace, you're abusing his goodness, as it were. You're accumulating a great store of God's wrath upon Christ's return and the revelation of God's, of God's judgment, the judgment of God. And of course, we know that that punishment will be for forever. Verse 6 makes it clear that men will not be judged according to their relations, as the Jews prized, nor upon their professions, but according to his deeds. Verse 6, his works. So besides the gospel here, the Apostle Paul is strictly talking about God's justice here to, to both Jew and Gentile. This is being said to further affirm the Apostle's doctrine that no man is justified by their deeds, for their good deeds or works, but by faith in Christ, in his righteousness and his blood through his grace. Those who are of faith are made manifest by by a fruitful life of dependence upon Christ and upon his grace. And this is we see this in verse seven to all seekers thereof. Verse seven says, To whom to, to them who, who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality, eternal life. All descriptions of eternal life. Eternal life and glory are here promised to those who obey the gospel and patiently persevere to the ends. And notice it, it says here in the word seek, And here it intimates the looking outside of oneself to Christ and to his grace alone. Not depending within themselves, not depending upon themselves or their own efforts. But to those who are contentious, uh, we're told in verse 8, who do not obey the gospel, the divine uh, gospel, they only can expect God's wrath. Because they provoke God through unbelief, through disobedience. They are contentious because they are legalists in the strict sense of the term. They are resting upon the law and the, their, their hope is in the law and the externals of the law, circumcision and other things. That's what a legalist means. And, and again, just as a, as, a, as a point of application... Um, I've mentioned legalists before, Brother Rod's mentioned legalists before, and I believe we've done it in the right sense, in the right term. But that word, legalists, and you're a Puritan, and these things, is bounded about so much, so much nowadays. And the, the point of it is to shut down conversation and, 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 and uh, meaningful conversation about these things. You're a legalist. You're a puritan. You're a, you're a puritan. And the negativity of those things, that's the same tactics that worldly people use, that the media use. They don't talk about the substance. They name call. You're an you're a Islamophobe. You're a this so-and-so. That's a bad way to win anyone over. 
as, a, as name calling. You, you're never going to win anyone over, especially a discerning Christian. So we need to be mindful if we're going to win someone over by the truth of Scripture, let us do it through the substance, as it were, not through name calling. The word contentious in verse 8 here is a very strong word in the Greek. It's mentioned again in Philippians 1.16 where it says, the one preach Christ of contention. The word contention, therefore, in verse 8 of today's text has in mind those who are of a party spirit concerning being justified by, by the law. In other words, it's talking in a sense like a, they're working. They're working like a hireling would work, uh, like a group of hirelings would work for hire. They seek to earn their wages into glory by their law-keeping and by external observations of the law. And Christ spoke of this in John 10.13 where he says, The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. In contrast, believers are, are not hirelings, but they are adopted, as our brother said. They are children. We're, we're adopted into Christ's family. So they obey the truth. They're not contentious because they are much loved and they're adopted. And Christ said, believers are forgiven much because they love much. Our motivation is one of love. We can never lose our, our salvation. We belong to Christ. He is our loving Father. And we love him. And of course, Paul's aim in all this really is to drive the self-righteous Jew or individual from their false hope and dependence upon the law for justification and the principles thereof. And hence the solemn words in verse 9, to those who reject Christ and the gospel. Verse 9, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. And so one begs the question, well, why, why the Jew first? Why would the Jew first, why would tribulation and anguish uh, uh, and, and all these things befall the Jew before the Gentile, uh, 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 as it were? Well, because they have received, you see, the written law. They have received the means of grace. They have received far much more light. And it's true within Christian families as well. It's true within people who have been given much means, as it were, they've been given much light. And so those who, like the Jew, have been given so much means and lights over years and years and years, and they squander it, well, hell will be the hotter. Sad to say, if they reject the gospel, that, that the anguish and tribulation and the things, the, the, the punishment will be will be far greater for those who have, who have been under, under the gospel and who have had the means, have had prophets, have had teachers, have had evangelists, they've had pious parents and, and parents who love the Lord and they've squandered it. The hell will be the hotter. It's a sad reality, but it's true. It's the principle here. It's not necessarily saying it's the Jew. It's the principle. It's not just the Jew, but it's also people who've been given much means. Hell will be terrible. Hell will be more tolerable how will be more tolerable for paedophiles and murderers than, than them? It's a, it's a sad reality, but it's, it is the case, because much means have been given. 
And the same, of course, is true of the opposite side as well, concerning those who obey Christ and the gospel. Look at verse 10. But glory, honour and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. It's all about the principle here, isn't it? It's about the principle. And it's a description of, it, of eternal life here. Therefore, there is, in verse 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. God is no respecter of persons. He, he doesn't look upon a, the Jew or the Gentile or anyone else. He, he is completely impartial in, in that respect. The Apostle Paul digs deeper into God's impartiality in this respect in verses 12 and 13. For as many as have sinned without law shall perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. God will judge men on the, on the light they have received. Gentiles, verse 12, then had sinned without the law. That is, they had not received the written revelation of the divine law of God. They had not received that. And so they will be judged in that light. But they will likewise perish without, uh, sorry, without the law because God has given them, remember, in chapter 1, God has given them the light and witness of conscience and of the witness of creation. They are without excuse. So they will likewise perish without the law because God has showed it, showed it to them. And the Jews had sinned in the law. They had been given the revelation of the law, the divine law of God, and so they shall be judged by the law. And if they reject Christ, their punishment will be the greater. And hence the apostle then concludes in verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be just, uh, shall be justified. In other words, to the self-righteous, he is saying, don't think that a mere knowledge, a mere hearing of the Lord will suffice on the day of judgment. It won't. And, and notice particularly that the, the, the precise wording that the, the inspired apostle is, hearing, is saying. He's saying, he's saying um, hearing for not the hearers, because the law, we know he's speaking, he has in mind self-righteous the self-righteous Jew and the self-righteous religious per person in a principle here, and particularly the self-righteous Jew, because um, he's saying, for not the hearers of the law, the, 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 the Jews often had the law proclaimed to them. Otherwise, it would say reading of the law. They had the law proclaimed to them, and they would hear the law in their synagogues and so, and so on. So he's saying, for not the hearers of the law are justified before God, but the doers of the law. And so uh, he is saying, don't think a mere hearing, a mere knowledge of the law will prevent God's judgment upon you. Only the doers of the law are justified. You must do what the law requires, else you're not justified. So he's building up this principle as it were, of God's holy justice, strictly speaking here. And of course, he, he is saying these things to convince them of their need of Christ's salvation in the light of God's 
holy justice. That they do not need a political saviour. They do not need... They need a saviour from their sins, their sins of their heart, their sins of their mind. They need a a, a true saviour, the saviour. In simple terms, I'm going to put it right down now to to, to simple terms. The apostle is saying to those who rest in the law, you're not as different as you think you are to other people, to the Gentiles. You're not as special and as different as you think you are. If, read Ephesians 2 and 3. Hence verse 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 15. Which show the work of the law in their hearts. They can obey the law as well. They can do good things as well because God's law is written upon their hearts. They've got a conscience. They can be convicted by these things. They may not have all the privileges that you have, but God has still written it upon their hearts. They can still do good things, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience out also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. The Gentiles, the Apostle Paul is saying, O self-righteous Jew or religious person, is not wholly different from you. You're not that unique and special that you are guilty of the same sins as they are. And yes, they may, you, may have, you may not have the privileges that, that, that you've been granted concerning the written law. You may not have all the, the privileges and blessings, as it were, of the moral law and of the means. But all men by their acts show that they have a knowledge between right and wrong. God has written it upon their very heart and conscience and constitution. Irreligious people can pay their debts, honour their parents, be outstanding citizens in society, be kind to the poor. They can, do, they, they can do the things prescribed in the law just like you. And I'm not, again, I'm not, <laughs> I hope I'm, people are not saying, oh, you're picking on the Jews. It's a principle here, not just the Jews, but but people who rest on their, in their religiosity, as it were, who rest in their obedience and, and those things, and, and not in Christ. It's a principle here. He's, 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 saying, he's saying that all people who are worldly people, they can do the same things as well. They, can, they, they cannot fully keep the law. The Gentiles cannot fully keep the law, but neither can you either. Neither can you, with all your privileges, with all the means that you've been given, you fall short as well. The genius here of the apostle, the inspired apostle here, is to get the self-righteous person or Jew off externals and more so upon the internal workings of their hearts and their mind and their conscience. That's his aim. Before a holy, impartial God. He is saying, in essence, in, it, in every man, God has put an internal monitor, an alarm system. He's saying, in every person, the Jew and the Gentile, besides the written law, every man has this internal monitor system. And you think about if you were to suddenly have to go to the hospital, you had an accident or whatever it may be, or, and, and you're rushed to the hospital, you, you're, you've got a monitor next to you. 
And it's got that, you know, you can sometimes see that beeping thing. It's beeping. And, you, and whilst you see everything's okay, the zigzagging thing, <laughs> it's okay, isn't it? You're, there's a monitor there. There's a conscience there. It's okay. And it makes a noise as well. It's the alarm. But it's, it's, like, it's like us. It's, 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 and then if it starts flatlining, it starts making an alarm, and the doctors start rushing in, the evangelists start rushing in, <laughs> and start saying, hold on a second. There's a problem. You're going to, it's no problem. I'm going to unbutter myself, actually. I don't need any of this. Rush out the hospital. It's exactly the same. God has built an internal monitoring system, an alarm system. And it's in Jews and it's in Gentiles and it's in everyone. And it is upon us to listen to our conscience and to listen to this, to, this, to listen to the revelation of God. Which... Which you can, uh, as it's talked about in verse 15, you can pay attention to it or you can ignore it. Both Jews and Gentiles are both guilty of this. Hence our concluding verse in 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Well, of course, the day here is talking about the judgment day. It's talking about where all the secrets of men will be made manifest, as it were. It will be like a projector screen. All those secret cursings, all those things, we all have them. Let's not pretend. We do, we, let's not pretend that we are these super holy people. Because, yes, we've received the Spirit, but there is an element of the natural man that's still there. We can still, the, the, the devil can still sh- shoot those, those darts and arrows there and can give us, well, why am I thinking of this, this other person? I need to repent of that. Lord, please give me good, wholesome thoughts. Pray for those thoughts. We all have it. We need to be honest about it. Um, but God in that day will reveal it, you see. And, and the, the, those who are repenting of those sins, heart sins, Sins of the mind, sins of the conscience, and are not only repenting of it, but they then they know of that forgiveness, that godly sorrow brings a joy. It's a daily thing. Repentance is not just a one-off. Remember what I said about this empowerment side of things. Repentance is so important. It's not just a one-off. It's an ongoing thing, and it's not a negative thing. It's a wonderful thing because it brings joy and peace. And so when we have that, it brings us flood of joy in. And it's peace. And we ask for grace. And we ask to be more like the Lord. And he helps us. And so in the day of judgment, the Lord will not look upon us, as it were, with all our faults. With all our, He'll see us in his perfect righteousness. We will be clean, as it were. We will not be holding on, as it were, to secret sins. And so in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, the secrets, the not visible things before other men, they're not visible, but God sees them. And the true Christian knows their own hearts, their own mind. I don't care what other people think of me. In fact, increasingly as I go upon my Christian walk, there are many people who think bad of me. And, I, and, and I, that's not, I, I try to be a, a, a nice person, and I try to, to be an approachable person, 
But, but also I try to, 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 to tell people how it is, lovingly and respectfully. And, and, I, and I see the more I go on my Christian walk, the more I've tried to do that, that the more people end up gossiping about me, insinuating things about me, speaking behind my back, and so many other things. And, and you know what? I don't care anymore how many people do that. I just take it to my Father in heaven and say, Lord, I don't care about these things. And I actually pray for them, bless them, bless them. Because I, revenge is of the Lord. I'll say, Lord, the Lord will recompense me, me of, of those things. I don't care about those things anymore. Because you know my heart, you know where, where, where I am. The secret things are the hearts. The secret things. They are visible before the Lord. The, the hidden deeds are the heart and the, and the life. And, and this is whether in the law or out of the law. And of course it says here in verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, by Jesus Christ, not by prejudicial men, but by the authority of Christ here. That's who, that is who will do this. And I praise the Lord that that is the case. And we see here, of course, that it is according to my gospel that God is just and will judge according to men's real character. But praise be to God, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that the goodness of God, and, the, and we see that amongst us, the goodness of God leadeth to repentance, doesn't, doesn't it? And we worship and we praise him for that. Next time we'll be looking more really about, in, in the remaining verses, about hypocrisy. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there this evening. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.